0: blog talk radio you're listening to the totally driven entertainment radio network in the future none of you uh, here are legends get driven stay driven Welcome back to the Bareback Facts. Today we're going to be talking about, uh, for starters, we're going to be talking a little bit about Joseph Goebbels. Uh, first off, uh, a little bit about him before we get too far into it. He was the head propagandist for the Nazis uh, during the rise and the implementation of the Third Reich and is instrumental in making them, uh, what really an instrumental part in making the Nazi in the Third Reich, as successful as it was for so long. Um, Second, we'll be talking a little bit about the power of propaganda and some of his ideas about propaganda uh, that propelled him and his programs of propaganda for the Third Reich forward, what made their machine so powerful. So first off, I want to talk a little bit about Goebbels, give you a little background on this individual, uh, because he plays an integral role in not only the rise of the nazi party to power in germany but also he plays an, a huge role in keeping the nazis power for as long as they are in power and keeping morale in germany uh, as high as it was uh, he was instrumental in the control of information which is what propaganda is all about uh, so first off uh, goebbels was born October 29th in 1897 in Rate, Germany. Uh, He served as minister of propaganda for the Nazi government of the Third Reich and is generally held responsible for presenting uh, a favorable image of the Nazi regime to the German populace uh, following, now, what he's most generally identified for is his creation of the Führer myth. It is this mythos of the Führer that Goebbels comes up with that makes him uh, the famous individual that he is um, in history today. So we have to remember uh, that the image of the Fuhrer, the idea of this chosen leader, uh, is one that Goebbels came up with himself, and it made uh, Hitler far more popular than than probably almost anything else that Hitler did. Um, now he was again. He was uh, born in 1897, uh, and he is the third of five children. He graduated from a Roman Catholic high school, and spent five years in undergraduate study at the University of Heidelberg, where he focused on history. Uh, because he was born with a club foot, he he was unable to serve in the military during the First World War. He was he had to have a special shoe made for him, and he wore the like brace. Uh, he carried a limp with him throughout much of his life, uh, and this deficiency uh, was always something that bothered him, uh, but he kept, he, kept, uh, he kept himself in high spirits. Uh, he, ended, he ended up uh, showing a tremendous proficiency for the sciences, particularly philosophy, and in 1922, he graduated from the University of Heidelberg with a doctorate in German philosophy, after which he pursued a career in writing even having written an expressionist novel called Michael Ein Deutsches Schicksal in Tagebuchbladne. And he was also, at this time, uh, particularly concerned with the idea of nationalism and the nation, uh, which is pretty uh, convenient considering uh, that this is during the 1920s, following the end of the First World War uh, and you know, Many of the German people find themselves at sort of this loss uh, for the First World War's ending is a conclusion that ends with the German people losing. They come out, of course, on losing in, in, in World War I, and many of the German people, uh, the majority of the populace, had no idea how they could have lost this war uh, because, again, uh, one, during the period in which they are at war for the First World War, the government had uh, told them, you know, we're winning, we're we're doing great. Uh, the propaganda machine for the for the Weimar, uh and the, the government before them, particularly Kaiser's uh, propaganda machine, Kaiser Wilhelm's propaganda machine, which predates the Weimar, which is this little in between uh, time period um, before, right, just right before the uh, Nazi rise to power, but before uh, before the end of Kaiser Wilhelm's sort of rule in Germany, um, we, we know that the German people really weren't all that well-informed about what was going on. And this is very important because this is going to come up as another big factor when we talk about how Goebbels propaganda machine was able to infiltrate every aspect of society. But for the most part, during World War I, the German populace, unless they were fighting or unless the battles had taken place near where they lived, they had no idea how well they were doing in the war. So for them, uh, there were all these conspiracies, all the, their luck, nothing but questions. So uh, in the fall of 1924, Goebbels becomes the administrative director of the National Socialist German Workers Party, or the NSDAP, the National Social or, as you guys would know them today. The Nazi Party. Um, two years later, he rises up the ranks again and makes and becomes the district leader in Berlin. Uh, it's in 1927 that Goebbels founds the attack or Der Angriff, a weekly National Socialist newspaper. And in the following year, Hitler is so impressed with him uh, that he appoints him to the post of National Director of Propaganda for the Nazis. Now, I want to read read to you a few quotes. From, from Joseph Goebbels to give you an idea of what this individual thought process was whenever he was trying to sell ideas to the populace. Joseph Goebbels once said to one of his advisors that a lie told once remains a lie, but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. The other here's, here's another quote from him. Propaganda works best when those who are being manipulated are confident they are acting on their own free will. And finally, if you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it, and you will even come to believe it yourself. Um, now, he is usually most noted... Uh, particularly in in, in in regards to the truth, is that the truth, when he talks about the truth, he says that the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. and must be controlled at all costs. So he believed that the human populace could not, he believed that the German populace left to their own devices could not be trusted with, with all the information. They didn't need all the facts. They only needed small pieces of the picture. We had to control what to do. Uh, for his thought, he said he believed that the rank and file of the everyday person is much more primitive than we imagine, and therefore propaganda must always be essentially simple and repetitious. The most important thing was to package the message in a simple way and repeat it over and over and over again. By doing this, you could ensure that not only would the populace get your message, it would become a part of their day-to-day life. Now, once, once uh, Goebbels is installed as the director of propaganda, he begins creating this mythos, this pure myth around Hitler, punctuating it with huge rallies um, that are geared towards converting the German people to Nazism. His day to day activities included designing posters, publishing propaganda pieces, using his bodyguards to incite street battles, and generally increasing political agitation. His control over the propaganda machine of the third of the rising Third Reich stretched all over the media of that time. He wrote in the newspapers. He was in the he was on the radio. He made films. He controlled the theaters. He controlled literature. He controlled music and art. He became a figure to be feared because, for one specific reason was Goebbels feared because not only was he packaging the messages of the Nazi parties and making Nazism palatable to the masses so now he is selling the virtues of, of Nazism to the to the masses this is not what's particularly scary about Goebbels it's because Goebbels is also the driving force behind the anti-semitic Propaganda that is being perpetuated. He is the one who is putting out the ideas, the these negative ideas about the Jews, about the Roma. For those of you who don't know who the Roma are, they are uh, often, sometimes referred to as the Gypsy. They are a group of uh, groups of people who are um, nomadic, for the most part. Uh, you, could, you know, for a while they were, were kind of all over Europe. Went roaming from place to place, kind of never really settling down, but there were some in Germany. Uh, but anybody that Goebbels perceived to be an enemy of the state found themselves being, found themselves in this negative propaganda. They found themselves quickly uh, feeling outnumbered, surrounded, and found themselves sized uh, completely. Uh, from everyday society Now in 1932 At Hitler's command Goebbels organized a boycott Of Jewish business The following year he led the burning of books German enough While chiefly targeting Jews once again He openly declared at a speech uh, at one of his rallies in 1932, that the era of extreme Jewish intellectualism is at an end. And during the Second World War, Goebbels would continue to demonstrate his his skill and proficiency um, in dealing with propaganda. He turned battlefield losses into victories and raised morale each time he went out to speak. Uh, so great was his manipulation of the truth. Uh, that Goebbels was able to even convince people that at all times, that basically we were never going to, that, that the Nazis were not going to lose, that they were, were a force to be reckoned with, that they would win everything uh, that they ever set their hands to. For those of you who don't know, uh, Hitler gave Goebbels great authority uh, over everything that he put his hands to. He had a contingent of the Sturmabteilung, the SA, he had a contingent of the Schutzstaffel, the secret police, the SS, and the only person that Goebbels ever had to answer to uh, after he rose to, the, to the, this prominent position was Hitler. Uh, so Goebbels ultimately has no accountability to anybody except, except the high chancellor, which would be Hitler. Um, so this is a man who gains tremendous amounts of power and influence within the Third Reich and he's able to cement this power by creating a mythos about his lead, uh, about the man he serves uh, that that inspires loyalty and inspires people to want to follow them. Um, now, aware of the value of positive of publicity, both positive and negative, Goebbels, deliberately provoked uh, prior, to the, uh, over the, prior to the Nazis' full takeover of the government, he deliberately would provoke beer battles and street balls, including violent attacks predominantly against the Communist Party of Germany, uh, who he saw as the greatest threat to the Nazis uh, and to the National Socialist Party. He adapted recent developments in commercial advertising to the political sphere during this time, including the use of catchy slogans and subliminal cues, His new ideas for poster design included using large, type, red ink and cryptic headers that encouraged the reader to examine the fine print to determine the meaning. He was a master of manipulation. He knew how to make people, he knew how to rope people in. If this guy would have been designing movie posters, you'd have been at every single movie this guy made a poster for because every single thing that he put his hands to in terms of Advertising and people just wanting to know more. Uh, you know, you look at his, you look at his work, and you can see uh, these posters with large, bold prints and 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 a, and a very interesting picture uh, in there somewhere. And and you have to sit there for a minute and try to take it all in, try to examine what you're looking at, try to decipher what it is that you're seeing. And by having to do this you're having to inadvertently swallow this message. You have to uh, absorb some of this message that he is putting through in his poster because you're setting to sit there and you're going to have to read it now because it's caught your attention. Now you have to read it. And this up the chances that somebody is going to be more susceptible to the ideology that he is trying to sell because they have to sit here and they have to invest extra time. in in trying to figure out what it is that they're looking at. They see this really catchy-looking poster, and they go, oh, my gosh, what is this? Uh, This could be a new King Kong poster. And then they read it, and they find out that it's anti, uh, you know, they, they find out that it's racial propaganda against one race or another. They find out that it's. Uh, something completely different than what they thought. And maybe some of these ideas align with their own, maybe they don't. But at the end of the day, they still, because of the way that Goebbels was able to make these advertisements, people still found themselves completely bombarded almost at all times because of how much control we had over the media by this message of the Nazis. These ideas that they're putting forth, this, these ideas of anti-Semitism, the ideas of hyper-nationalism, this idea of the German of the German fatherland, the purity of the German spirit, these ideas of German supremacy over others, all of these kinds of ideas, these ideas about the Fuhrer and, and him being a chosen one, the destiny of the German people being inexorably tied to Hitler and his success, these ideas are all within these these various advertisements, these are all within articles that Goebbels is writing during this time of publishing and publishing and coming onto the radio and performing these big speeches. And we see these things happening. People are they're, they're quite frankly they're bombarded. Completely bombarded at all <clears throat> at nearly all hours of the day in almost every activity that they have going on. We can see these people, <clears throat> the German populace is absolutely bombarded with this propaganda. And it's only a matter of time before what they keep hearing and what they keep seeing starts to be reflected in what they do. Now, obviously we have people who are already, uh, who were already uh, very much tied to the Nazis. We have people that are already members of the party, people that already identified with them, but this propaganda machine that Goebbels begins to put together for the Nazis is one that is incredibly impressive because it infiltrates every single aspect of human society you can 't go anywhere you can 't do anything you can 't turn on your TV you can 't turn on your radio without being exposed to it you can 't go to the movies you can 't you can 't pick up a book everywhere it 's in everything uh, and this is the power of of, of Goebbels that he had. This is the kind of power that he had over information. Everywhere you turn to find the answers, he is there waiting to give you the answers. And this is a tremendously impressive thing. Uh, now, Hitler is one man in the Third Reich we think of as this tremendous speaker. The oral the, the oral prowess of Hitler is, is well-documented. People talk. A great deal about the success of his speeches, the passion with which he spoke. But Hitler is not the only great orator among the Nazi party, as Goebbels practiced his public speaking skills in front of a mirror, and he was very well known for giving incredibly uh, stirring speeches. His entrances were almost always late and were timed for maximum emotional effort. Meetings, were always preceded by ceremonial marches and singing. He meticulously planned his speeches ahead of time using pre plan and choreographed inflection and gestures, but he was also able to improv- use improv and adapt to his presentation to make a good connection with his audience. Goebbels planned every aspect of any speech he gave down to a T. Um, he used this tactic of provocation to bring attention to the Nazi party in the, in, the, in their inception, uh, along with violence at public party meetings and demonstrations. Uh, and it's these things that lead the police to ban uh, the Nazi party in, in Germany, or in Berlin specifically, in May of 20, 1927. Uh, so this just goes to show you the kind of things that Goebbels, was doing uh, to really in- to really get his message out there. Uh, now, so concerned was the German government before the rise of the Nazis about their influence that Goebbels specifically is banned uh, from speaking until the end of October in 1927. He is banned from public speaking for all of the rallies that he's able to get together, for all of these uh, outbreaks of violence and demonstrations of protests throughout the country that he is able to inspire with his speeches and, with, and of course, you know, it, did, it did help, of course, that Hitler's giving speeches during this time too, but it's Goebbels who they ban because they get tired. The, the authorities in, in power during this time uh, are tired of having to deal with him. Uh, so during this period is when he founds the the der ongriff the attack as the propaganda vehicle for the berlin area um, Its initial uh circulation is very small, but he continues to try to break into the literary world with a revised edition of his book uh michael uh He, re- he has two plays der wanderer and Die so- Die sock the seed um and these don't do as well. Uh, they don't do quite as well. Uh, he, he, has, he ends up moving on from that um, and, and really focusing on his own public speaking and focusing on uh, how he can best serve uh, the Nazi party because he firmly believed in their message of nationalism. He firmly believed in the ideas uh, that he himself was positing as well uh, so in, the, in in the late in late 1930 uh, he would meet Magda Coint, a divorcee who had, who had joined the party a few more months earlier uh, and she worked as a volunteer in the party offices in Berlin, helping him organize his private papers he her flat on the right Reich's soon became a favorite meeting place for her, for Hitler and other uh, Nazi party members and Goebbels and Quaint would marry on December 19th, and 1931. Uh, so he, he and Magda would have six children together and they would stay together until their deaths uh, for, for two further elections uh, held Uh, There's a first election held in 1930 in which the Nazis uh, managed to receive uh, six and a half million votes uh, and to take 107 seats in the Reichstag to become the second largest party in the country, and this is by 1930. Um, Now, there are two further elections held in 1932, uh, and during these, Goebbels organizes massive campaigns that includes Include huge rallies, parades, speeches, uh, and having Hitler travel around the country by airplane with the slogan, the Führer, over Germany. It's During this time, we see Goebbels uh, himself we also undertake numerous speaking tours during these campaigns. They would have their speeches published on gramophone records and pamphlets. He was involved in the production of a small collection of silent films that would be shown at party meetings, though they did not have enough quip to widely use this medium at the time. Uh, His campaign posters used violent imagery often, such as a giant half-clad male uh, who destroyed political opponents or other perceived enemies, um, such as Jews or international high finance. Uh, His propaganda characterized the opposition as criminals, uh, Jewish wire or a communist threat support for the party would continue to grow he focused on what the people might be afraid of and he continued and continued to harp on these fears in his propaganda uh, they often depicted uh, Jews in, in in a manner of being uh, monstrosities uh, these or crooked or grotesque in nature communist uh, people the Communist Party is consistently demonized. <clears throat> Anybody that could be perceived as not fitting in with the ideal or, or as being a potential form of opposition finds finds themselves, anyone that fits that profile will find themselves demonized during this period. Now, after becoming uh, propaganda minister, um, Goebbels uh is really just not uh too impressed quite quite frankly with his first promotion. See to celebrate uh, Hitler's appointment as the chancellor following the last election, Goebbels organizes a torch lit parade in Berlin on the night of of, Jan- of January thirtieth. Um and it's estimated that about sixty thousand men the men, many in the uniforms of the SA and the ESS attended It's covered by a live state Broad radiocast with commentary by longtime party member And future minister of aviation Herman Goering uh, Goebbels, however, is at this time disappointed uh, Because he had not yet been given the post In, in Hitler's new cabinet uh, Bernard Russ was appointed the minister of culture And the post that post was one that Goebbels wanted to have control over. He wanted to be uh, in control of every aspect of, of German life. Uh, he he was a man that really firmly believed in his own importance. Uh, he knew that he was an influential individual, but he wanted to get more power. Uh, he wanted more power. He wanted what all men wanted: more. Uh, so, like uh, like other Nazi officials. Uh, Goebbels had to deal with Hitler's leadership style Of giving sort of contradictory orders To his subordinates while placing them at the positions where their responsibilities And duties would overlap uh, So in this way Hitler uh, often fostered Distrust and competition And inviting among his subordinates To consolidate and maximize his own power Because the last thing Hitler wanted Was anybody that was powerful enough To challenge him uh, In 1933 The, the Nazis take full advantage of the Reichstag fire uh and with with the following passing the the following of that uh they passed the Reichstag fire decree um uh, which begin which is the first step that towards the dismantling of democracy in germany and putting uh totalitarian dictatorship headed by hitler and his party members place um so I want to pull up a few i want to go ahead and give you guys a few examples of of how um Goebbels is able to really get uh get people going. Just read a few quotes from some of his speeches um, real quick let me pull this up here. So this 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 speech is from 1935 called Our Hitler it's it's a, it's a it's one of many of the speeches Goebbels gives um and he gives it every year on the occasion of Hitler's birthday with the exception of 1934 and it's a radio speech um this this is the second one that he delivers um and and you know goebbels is a man who thinks very highly of himself and he wrote wrote down everything in his journals uh he, he consistently you know praised himself and praised those people who he really who really you know basically uh praised him so here we have his descriptions of Hitler in this speech so here he says Adolf Hitler is one of the few state leaders who avoids medals and decorations. He wears only a single high medal that he earned as a simple personal soldier, displaying the greatest personal bravery. That is proof of modesty, but also of pride. There is no one worthy to decorate him other than he himself. And any form of ascension is foreign to him, but when he represents the state, and his people he does so with impressive and appropriate grace. Behind all that he is and does are the words of, a great, of the great soldier sleeping, who wrote, Be more than you seem. His industry and determination in reaching his goal far exceed normal human strength. These are the kinds of, this is just one example uh, in this speech of how he is able to posit. It's almost supernatural qualities of Hitler and, and also sort of the virtue um, of Hitler. He is selling these ideas to the masses. They need to believe these things. Uh, it's important that they believe them, important that he is able to get this message out there. People uh, that are hearing his message, uh, they need to feel confident. And this is one thing that Goebbels is particularly good at in his speeches, is making the people feel like they have placed their trust in the right guys. Uh, So here we have uh, – we go through this speech a little bit more. We can see that he talks a little bit more about uh, the Nazi Party and Hitler. He says of Hitler – he came from the people and remains a part of them. He, he who negotiated two 15-hour days at a conference with diplomats of mighty England, who mastered arguments and facts on the great questions of Europe, can speak with complete ease to ordinary people and can, with a comradely due, restore the confidence of a fellow war veteran who greets him with a nervous heart after perhaps two days of dream. Uh, perhaps days of wondering how to greet him and what to say. The weakest approach uh, approach him with confidence for they sense that he is their friend and protector. The entire nation loves him because it feels as safe in his arms as a child in the arms of its mother. These are the words we hear uh, spoken by Goebbels to the masses. This idea of a, of this comforter, the, the idea that Hitler is this this great and virtuous, powerful leader, but he's also c- capable of mercy, and, and he sacrifices so much for the the Reich, and he, everything he does is for the people, and it's wonderful and glorious, and and you can trust us, and we've got your best interest at heart. Um, so these are the these are the sorts of ideas that you see uh, being posited by by Goebbels. These these kinds of messages reach out at the audience. They attempt to connect with them. They tr- attempt to not only create a mythos of Hitler being this individual who is sort of um, you know, mystical uh, and supernatural in in nature, but also the idea that he is this sort of father figure for the nation, the idea that he is doing everything possible for the German people and everything he does and everything the party does Is for the country and it's in their best interest, and that's why you got to trust us. Because never put your interests uh, before our own. And you know, he posits all these ideas of virtue. Uh, So this is this is sort of the genius of Goebbels, if you will. He's able to create these. He's able to take these ideas and and continue to repackage them and sell them to the nation, Um, and and throughout. The time that Hitler is in full power Particularly useful to Hitler um, and, and of course uh, It helps that you're able to get rid of of so your political opponents uh, He is pretty famous for his anti-Jewish propaganda um, the, the book burning of May 10th, 1933 Is just one example of how Goebbels Is able to demonstrate the tremendous influence And power that the Nazi party is able to gain Through their propaganda uh, the, the national boycott of Jewish businesses, um, and, of course, getting the people to sort of turn a blind eye or even be complicit in genocide uh, through through their use of propaganda. Uh, now, Herbos was anti-Semitic from uh, was we, we know that he was fairly anti-Semitic from, from a young age, Uh, And after joining uh, the Nazi party and meeting Hitler, his anti-Semitism grows, and he becomes much more radical. He begins to see the Jews as a destructive force with a negative impact on the the people of Germany. Um, And after the Nazis seize power, he repeatedly urges Hitler to take action against the Jews. Um, Now, despite of his extreme anti-Semitism, Goebbels thought – he spoke of the rubbish of race materialism and the unnecessary – for biological racism uh, to be incorporated in the Nazi ideology. He described Himmler's ideology as in many ways mad, and he thought that Rosenberg's theories on race uh, regarding the Jews was ridiculous. Um, The Nazi Party's goal was to remove Jews from German cultural and economic life and eventually to remove them from the country altogether. Now, in addition to his propaganda efforts, Goebbels actively promoted the persecution of the Jews through pogroms, uh legislation and other actions discriminatory measures that he personally instituted in berlin in the early years of the regime including bans against their using of public transport and required that jewish shops be all be marked and identified as such uh, in 1938 uh, the german diplomat ernst von roth was killed in paris by a young jewish man and in response verbals arranged for an inflammatory Anti-Semitic material to be released by the press And the result was the start of a pogrom Jews were attacked, synagogues were destroyed All over Germany and the situation Is further inflamed by a speech that he Gives himself at a party meeting On the night of November 8th Where he obliquely called for party members To incite further violence against Jews while making it appear to be a spontaneous Series of acts by the German people At least a hundred Jews are killed Several hundred synagogues are damaged and Destroyed and thousands of Jewish shops are Vandalized and event known as the Night of Broken Glass, better known as Kristallnacht. Uh, Now, around 30,000 men were sent to Jewish concentration camps, and the destruction stops only after a conference held on November 12th where Dering pointed out that the destruction of Jewish property was in effect the destruction of German property, and since the intention was that it would all eventually be confiscated, we don't want to destroy it all. Now, Goebbels himself, throughout the time, throughout the rise of the Nazis uh, and, of course, their consolidation of power uh, and eventual takeover of the entire government, pressed the entire time for the expulsion of Jews from Germany, Uh, particularly in Berlin. uh, He had been pressing for that since 1935, and there were still, you know, by 1940, 62,000 of them living in the city. Uh, Now, part of the delay of their deportation was that they were needed as workers in armaments industry. Uh, and so we kind of need them at that time right because we've got to make bullets and guns and tanks and all that good stuff uh, but deportation of German Jews begin began in October of 1941 with the first transport leaving Berlin on October 18th uh, while some Jews are shot immediately on the arri- on arrival in destination such as Riga and Calnus, uh in preparation for deportation Goebbel's orders that all German Jews are required by law to wear the identifying yellow badge as a 5th of September 1941, the Yellow Star. Uh, now, um, on the 6th of March 1942, Goebbels received a copy of the minutes of the Wannsee Conference. The document made the Nazi policy clear the Jewish population of Europe was to be sent to extermination camps in occupied areas of Poland and killed. Uh, His diary entries of this period show he is well aware of the fate of the Jews and he states in general it can probably be established that 60% of them will have to be liquidated uh, while only 40% can effectively be put to work. Um, So a judgment is being carried out on the Jews which is barbaric but in his mind thoroughly deserved as he wrote on March 27th of 1942. Uh, Goebbels and Hitler were noted to have had frequent discussions about the fate of the Jews. Uh, It's a subject they discussed almost every time they met, and he was aware throughout throughout that the Jews were being exterminated and completely supported the decision. Uh, He was also one of the few Nazi officials to do so publicly. So he was very much on board with getting rid of the Jews, um, and he was very much on board with selling that to the populace. He is one of the engineers behind one of the first great pushes, uh, to really discriminate against the Jews before they begin rounding them up and killing them, uh, he is the orchestrator of Kristallnacht, which is considered to be sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's what really opens the door for the Jews to basically be no longer touchable. Uh, they become, uh, at that very moment in time, uh, they, they become instantly seen as a threat to the state, and they instantly become seen Uh, as the enemy, as the other. Uh, They become seen as uh, somebody that needs to be dealt with and eliminated. Uh, So at that point in time, we see a dramatic shift. Now, uh, Goebbels, again, uh, was a very powerful individual. You can see this in how much of society he was able to infiltrate. Uh, He demonstrates the tremendous power of control of the truth. Uh, it didn't matter so much that you know, whether or not everything he was saying was true. What mattered, you know, this idea that the the one of the key examples we can look at is this creation of the Fuhrer myth. Is Hitler this magical chosen one? Is he all this in a bag of chips? You know, he's a great public speaker, but we can see it that he's not that really he's really history shows us that he's really not that great of a leader. Uh, you know, in terms of how much control he really feels he needs to have over every single aspect of his administration, he, he doesn't sort of let his underlings do their jobs. He's kind of in everything. and while some people might say, well, that's kind of good, he's a hands on kind of guy right now. But see the thing is is Hitler we, we learn uh, if we, we, we look at history, we learn that Hitler was so obsessed with being control of every single part of his of his government uh, that people really couldn't get a lot of things done. Uh, you know, it made things very inefficient uh, because you know here he would assign people tasks, he would give people contradictory orders, and and people really couldn't get anything done uh, in many cases. Uh, you know, it made it made parts of his government not really run very smoothly, particularly uh, his military, in which you know Hitler wanted to be the end all be all guy when it came to the military. He wanted to make all the decisions. Uh, he he wanted you know guy you know troops weren't allowed to move without his say so, uh, and it's This becomes a problem later on. Uh, So, you know, we can definitely see these sort of insecurities uh, that Hitler, you know, that are sort of demonstrated by Hitler in his behavior. And we can see uh, that Goebbels, you know, is a man who who was able to cover those insecurities, who's able to, uh, you know, really not only cultivate this myth, uh, he's not only able to cultivate this glorious myth about Hitler and his, you know, sort of almost godlike, uh, you know, almost godlike aura that he he cultivates around Hitler, but he's able to do. He's able to not only do this, he's able to continue to sell it, and he's able to motivate people uh, to act on these things. He's not only able to sell antisemitism; he's able to motivate people to act on it. He he says, you know aren't you tired of dealing with these people? They're, they're the ones that are bringing you down and you're going to have to do something about it. It's this demonstrates the tremendous power that propaganda has. It's only after this speech fired a crystal knock that we see the German people really, uh, you know, we we really see large numbers of the German people really start moving uh, more openly. You know, before, There had been pogroms against the Jews in many parts of Europe, including Germany. You know, there had been discrimination against the Jews there prior to the rise of the Nazis. Antisemitism was alive and well uh, in many parts of Europe prior to the First World War. Uh, We know this. There's a great deal of evidence for it. But this is one of the first times we see, uh, you know, such a blatant act. um, And just sort of, you know, nobody cared right they they came out they they destroyed all these shops they uh they attacked these people uh and it was kind of it, it was kind of like the gloves are off now we're not even going to try to hide it anymore uh this is this is the kind of behavior that that you can see has been influenced tremendously by the messages they're receiving they're listening they're hearing the messages and at this point in time you know you can tell that purples uh in in his speeches could not have been more proud um uh, you know, in one in, in one other quote from from Goebbels, we can see uh, what his thoughts are about its importance. He says, "Propaganda must facilitate the displacement of aggression." by specifying the targets for hatred. Let's think about that for a minute. Propaganda must facilitate the displacement of aggression by specifying the targets for hate, hatred. Uh, so he believed that it was the responsibility of, of propaganda to create the enemy for the people. It wasn't enough to have an enemy they needed to be demonized They needed to be shown as the enemy People needed to know Who their enemy was And by, by telling the people who their enemy was By demonstrating to them who they, By giving them a real Almost a sense of a real threat we can, we can Aim that aggression Where we want to This is the ultimate goal Of Goebbels' propaganda machine Not just the solidification of Nazis uh, Power but to control the anger, control the aggression of the German people and aim it where they want to, to use it as his greatest weapon. And he does so masterfully for much of the time that he is in control. Uh, You know, he firmly believed in his ability to manipulate the truth um, and really really he just believed uh that that he could do this he that he uh he believed he says these things and he believes them himself uh it goes back to the quote of you know if you tell a lie long enough it becomes the truth to you too um so You know, these are the kinds of, this is the kind of individual we're dealing with. Now, uh, going to get a little bit closer towards the end of Goebbels uh, and his life, what he, you know, sort of his uh, contribution here. Um, Now, in 1943, uh, Germany has their back to the wall, uh, so to speak. They're losing the war. Uh, And no matter how many great speeches that Goebbels gives, uh, it doesn't change the fact uh, that the Germans are losing. Uh, the Russians are closing in. Soviet Union is, is getting closer and closer uh, to taking over. Uh, the allies are, are coming from the other side, and it's only a matter of time uh, before the chickens come home to roost. Uh, Goebbels begins espousing ideas during this time of total war, which would have mobilized the military, the national resources, and all the population to their fullest extent, Uh, initiating a stance of accepting only victory or total destruction. By 1944, uh, Goebbels' war plan is adopted, and in July of that year, Goebbels is appointed uh, general plenipotentiary for for total war. By late April of 1945, however, Germany had lost. It was clear the game was over. Um, There was no winning. Uh, It's during this time uh, that Hitler... Begins dictating his last will from his bunker. He knows uh, that his days are numbered, uh, and and he dictates his last will and testament to Goebbels, which appoints Goebbels the Chancellor of the Reich. After which, Hitler commits suicide alongside um, alongside his uh, mistress. David Braun, uh, they both uh, pop a cyanide Catholic together and uh, and they, uh, they take the long ride home, uh, so to speak, uh, to take the easy way out. But instead of taking uh, control, uh, you would have thought this was a dream come true for Goebbels, but it's at this point that he too sees the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, fancy speeches aside, uh, this was a done deal. Uh, and in May of 1945, instead of taking command, uh, Goebbels had his six children poisoned, uh, and he and his wife Magda commit suicide in Hitler's bunker in Berlin. Uh, so, uh, what can we glean from from this from this individual and his? Um, his practices, what can we, what can we glean from, from this individual's life uh, and his, his propaganda and his views on truth? Well, what we can glean is uh, propaganda can be a very powerful force, the control of the truth. He who controls the truth can control the reality in which we live. Uh, people with great power who can control the truth, manipulate the truth, uh, they are the ones who hold all the cards. They are the ones who can uh, alter the perception of not only themselves, but they alter the perception of the masses. Uh, propaganda is is a useful tool, but it's a dangerous one. Uh, and Goebbels demonstrates that uh, quite aptly. Uh, we see, you know, today we have a lot of a lot of examples of propaganda. Um, you you know, you wouldn't think about it all the time, but uh, you know, just think about every time you turn on a football game and uh, we sing the National Anthem, right? Uh, every time uh, we have a football game, that, you know, we get the National Anthem sung. Uh, you have some nice jets fly over the stadium. Uh, every, you know, we have parades for our national holidays. Um, you know, we commemorate certain days, right? Uh, certain days are commemorated the achievements of certain americans are elevated talk about the the glory of our country right uh you know you, you can look at uh, the you know you can look at those as key examples of, of propaganda uh think about uh you know if you if you're looking for examples of how how we use it uh think about um think about how uh we we talk about uh now right uh it's kind of similar to the way we talked about pearl Harbor. that it in a way uh you know here's here's a tremendous tragedy uh let's talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and and don't let anybody ever forget that this horrific tragedy happened and we must remember uh the important we must never forget uh we must never forget the importance of this moment and um you know, we still see that today. You know, nine eleven that was uh, sixteen years ago, and we're still talking about it today uh, in, in some way, shape, or form. If people aren't talking about investigating it, uh, they're talking about this was the day that everything changed. You know, uh, a lot of people, you know, we, we kind of a lot of times we kind of go about our daily uh, our daily routine, and we don't really think about these things. But if you if you take the time to really step outside the box you can see that you know 9-11's been a driving force behind our war on terror for what 16 years so we've been at war with somebody for the last you know basically 16 years uh you know if it wasn't the the taliban and the uh uh, and al-qaeda and in afghanistan it was somebody in iraq right saddam and then back to afghanistan and now it's these uh nuts over there uh islamic state and whatever you know the Levant uh you know it's always it's always somebody now right i mean we're we're always finding uh new enemies right and and our our propaganda machine machine here doesn't stop we talk about the viciousness and the quote unquote backwardness and, uh you know but but when we talk about these things then we then we have the same thing happening on our side right we we still do uh you know we we do terrible things too everybody does terrible things uh but it's important uh that we remember the the power of propaganda and the power of truth uh you know reality can often be altered by those who control information those who have control over the facts um uh, can twist them any way that they choose, and those people that twist these facts for us, uh, much like in the case of Goebbels, uh, they can have tremendous effects on on us, on on society, on history. Uh, so, you know, you can you can look at the example of Goebbels for the potential that a propaganda machine can have. You can look at his um, his successes, these speeches uh, that motivated the masses um, the overall impact of Goebbels is that ultimately uh, even though he ends up killing himself and, and ends up dying and the Nazis end up losing the war and everything is you know the good guys win and the bad guys lose um, ultimately one can make a strong argument that the Nazis really don't ever become as powerful as they, you know, wouldn't have ever become as powerful and influential as they did without this propaganda machine, without Goebbels, uh, all the work that he put in without all of this, uh, without his ability to sort of uh, prop Hitler up as this, as this divine almost uh, figure and without, without his help, it's, it's a good case we can make that that the nazis are not near as influential as they end up being uh that they don't they don't garner the public support that they are man that they manage to get without him because not and not just because of goebbels's speech and not because, just because of hitler's speeches but because of the whole machine the whole enchilada that uh that Goebbels puts together, you know, the fact that he's able to get into the media, he's able to get on the radio, uh, the newspapers, he's able to make films, he's got all these, you know, the posters, the leaflets, the pamphlets, the the speeches, it all functions together, it all comes together as one big monster whose head you just can't, you know, it's a many-headed beast and you cut off one head, you show sure what, you banned him from public speaking It didn't stop him, he just started writing, you know, the, this Uh, The determination of Goebbels uh, to really sort of infiltrate and have a grip, a stranglehold, so to speak, on every part of of German life and culture um, really demonstrates for us the power of propaganda and the power and importance uh, that is placed on truth and the control of that truth. Uh, It was the firm belief of of Goebbels that information must be controlled, must be contained, uh, and the German people needed only to know what he wanted them to know. Uh, You know, as long as everybody believes that the world is sunshine and rainbows, who are we to change their belief on whether or not the world is sunshine and rainbows? Keep the people happy, keep the masses doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, you know, so that they can be productive and we can sit back and collect the fruits of their labor. You know, why shouldn't we continue to get these people to do what we want them to do? They should, you know... That that is the real driving force we see behind this propaganda is how can we motivate people? We must give them the we must give them our truth. Uh, so and that's that's really uh, what I've got for you guys today on this. I wanted to really uh, give you guys an idea of how sort of the propaganda how propaganda can can come about, uh, how simple ideas can be packaged and sold. Uh, to a uh, large group of people and how we ourselves kind of interact with this thing. You know, how do we, you know, think about these things when you think about advertising, you know, how, how many commercials do you see a day for Coca-Cola and Budweiser beer and all these things, you know, uh, all these things get it, you know, it's proven uh, there's a science to it, right? There's a method to the madness. You know, you see something enough times eventually, uh, you hear something enough times, eventually you're going to want to go out and purchase a product. Maybe you don't think about these things because it's all it's all a mental thing. But it's the more that you're exposed to something, the more likely you are uh, to kind of accept that information. Uh, and so that's uh, you know that's what we really wanted to get after today. This we wanted to get after the importance of propaganda. We wanted to get after the importance of truth. The idea. Uh, that we have to ourselves be able to take ourselves out of our own little box uh, and really examine the bigger picture sometimes. Uh, This is what, you know, propaganda is able to really get a stranglehold on our lives when we don't take the time to question uh, the messages we're being sent. Now, that doesn't mean every time a Coca-Cola commercial comes on you need to, like, be robust and throw a Coke at the the TV, Uh, you know. But we do need to you know, take the time sometimes to really analyze our own thoughts on things, our own behaviors towards things. We really do need to take that time to do these things. So, uh, you know, whenever whenever you find yourself kind of going with the flow, so to speak, you see other people saying and believing a certain thing, whenever you find yourself just easily going with it, sometimes it's a good idea to take a step back and say, wait a minute, do I really believe in this? Or I just believe in it because it's trendy. Like, do I really like this movie series? Do I really? Am I really a big fan of uh, what is it? Um, let's just use an example. Am I really a big Harry Potter fan, or am I just doing it because everybody is telling me how great Harry Potter is and I just want it to be great? Is that what's going on here? Uh, so that's you know that's kind of a cheesy example. Uh, and I've got nothing against Harry Potter. You know just you know just saying, but. You know, it's kind of a cheesy example, but if you think about it, if we really take the time to think about it, sometimes it's important for us to question the why behind uh, our actions more so than you know, the actions themselves. But why? Why are we doing these things? And propaganda uh, discussions of propaganda, discussions of truth and the manipulation of truth give us an opportunity to sort of question that why. Why do we believe what we believe? Uh, you know, do we really, truly, in our, our own minds and our own souls, believe in these things, or are we just regurgitating something that somebody keeps giving to us? Uh, so that's really what what the the point of today's discussion was. Um, and I want to give you guys some more uh, information to go look at um, on propaganda on on Goebbels himself i feel like um, I feel like you guys uh would enjoy taking a look at this so you might take a look at his diaries uh which you can get uh translated uh it's just by by joseph Goebbels uh you can download this as an ebook um, and he re- he wrote several um several things so there's loads of stuff you can down you can go find michael which is one of his first works michael's uh not you know it didn't do very well uh so you know there's that to consider but uh it's still one of the you know just because his books did not all of his books did very well it's interesting to look at people's work and see what their thought process is. Uh, so, you know, looking at his early work, looking at some of his early articles, looking at his speeches. His speeches are uh, available. You can find them, by the way. Um, you know, so it, it is something uh, to look at. Um, you might want to take a look at Verbal's biography by Peter Longenreich. Um uh Holy Hatred, Christianity, Antisemitism and the Holocaust by Robert Michael. Um, and then gerbil's uh and the Socialist Propaganda by Ernest Bramstead. All interesting uh interesting pieces of work uh for people to look at. And then there is one more that I want to do. you guys one more book that I want to do really get out there for you guys um, if i can if I can put it back on. Uh, you might take a look at Rolf Diesel's Nazi propaganda films, a history and filmography. Uh, you take a look at some of what what they posited, and this is not so much to give you guys, uh, you know, a bunch of propaganda yourselves to go, you know, some, you know, go all rogue, uh, you know, and get get all crazy. Um, but these these are these are uh, a good it's a good way to familiarize yourself with how films. Uh, you know are are made and and the kinds of kinds of thought processes that come go behind uh the scenes a little bit and see what the thought process of directors are and another another good option for you uh if you're interested more in that part of history uh and I really love to um love to give people chan- you know more chances to go look up stuff um is you can take a look at uh, Hillmore Hoffman's *The Triumph of Propaganda: Film and National Socialism*, and also uh, the, mystery, *The Ministry of Illusion: Nazi Cinema and Its Afterlife* by Eric Rentsler. Uh, and this book uh, is not just uh, a look at uh, films and propaganda itself, but it's also the over, It also gives you insight into sort of the impact, the lasting impact that propaganda can have. Uh, and, and really uh, how films can stand the test of time. Uh, so these, th- this is a collection of uh, – this is not only just an examination of sort of uh, propaganda and, and film. It's also, it's also an examination of legacy and, and the impact that films in general can have, the influence that the cinema industry has on the masses. Uh, So it's something that uh, kind of breaks down the psychology of people uh, and what they go and see. Why do they go to see these films? And uh, what is the impact of a film on its audience? So these are kind of things we we should try to understand and take the time to try and understand why do we uh, want to consume what we consume is a very important, uh, you know, line of thinking. Uh, It tells us a lot about ourselves when we can go and, Figure out why it is we like the things we like. Um, so, thanks for tuning in to the Bareback Facts. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I will see. I will hope to be back on here really soon. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, this has been a Bareback's presentation. Bareback Facts presentation. Thanks again uh, for tuning in. Have a great weekend, everybody.